You're listening to Treasuring Scripture, a podcast of the weekly teaching ministry of Lebanon Baptist Church, Roswell, Georgia. To learn more about our ministry, please visit us at LebanonBaptist.org. We invite you to turn to Romans 8. We read this text, or Mark read it for us at the beginning of the service. I'll read it in just a moment. Many of you who are normal attenders here, or you uh, are a visitor, uh, we have been making our way through the letter to the Romans. And today we arrive at one of the mountain peaks, uh, one of the summits of this book. And so I'm excited about being able to uh, once again unveil to you these beautiful verses. And so let me read to you. You follow along as I read Romans 8, verse 35 through verse 39. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? As it is written, for your sake we are being killed all the day long. We are regarded as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all these things we are more than conquerors. Through him who loved us, for I am sure that neither death nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Join me as I pray. Father, today, Lord, we know that you have created every ear and every heart and every mind in this auditorium today. Lord, I ask today that you would open every ear, open every mind, open every heart, and allow your word to be implanted in the hearts of these people today. And Lord, may it produce incredible fruit in the days ahead. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Over my lifetime, I have watched numbers of football games. On occasion... If I couldn't watch the football game live, I have recorded it. Why? Because I didn't want, uh, uh, recorded it, but after, uh, let's say maybe it was a church service or something like that, I didn't want to know what the score was so that I could enjoy the game kind of uh, and not know what actually happened. I can remember one particular time in Wisconsin In fact, I will tell you that I can probably count on my two hands how many times I have left the service right after the service because I had to either uh, run to the airport. There's not been many times that I've just left after the service, but this was one particular day. There was a game going on. I think we had a group of people who were coming over that I had planned that I was going to leave right after the service and I was going to leave through one of the entrances, there were two entrances kind of in the front of the auditorium, and I was going to hit the stairwell down so that no one could tell me, since I had recorded the game, what the score was going to be so I could 
enjoy it. You could say, as we push play, I'd be able to enjoy it and not know. Well, the service ended. I headed out that back door, and for some reason, there was this guy standing right there. And immediately, I can't believe they lost. And I was like, no! Why? You know what? When you watch a football game, it's nice not to know how it ends. You enjoy the kind of the, the battle. However, in our spiritual lives, as followers of Jesus Christ, we are privileged and we are called to know the ending even in the midst of the battle. We've got to know that it's done. In fact, he wants us to know that we win. In Romans chapter 8, Paul has been showing to us the ultimate victory that we have in Christ. But not only that, the ultimate security because of the victory that you and I have at our disposal as children of God. If you are today a biblical Christian, I often have to say a biblical Christian because our community is filled with cultural Christians, but you have to come become a Christian the Bible way through faith in Jesus Christ and him alone. If you are indeed a biblical Christian, you have been given with Christ so much. In fact, we have looked at many of these. No condemnation. Romans 8 verse 1. You've been given the Holy Spirit who lives inside of you. You've been given sonship. You've been given a promise of the redemption of your body. You've been given the Holy Spirit's prayers for you. You have been given the promise that everything in your life is going to work out for your good. Paul now closes out Romans 8 with a list of these rhetorical questions where he says, can this happen? Can this happen? And of course, always God is the answer. But just in case you had any last doubt that your security was in any way in jeopardy, he gives us a final question and a definitive answer. This morning, I want you to learn this truth. We, God's beloved children, overwhelmingly win. Let me say that again. We, and then I had to put a little parenthesis, God's beloved, loved children, overwhelmingly win. Now, if you want to do it short, okay, here it is. We win. Okay, we win. He wants us to know this in the midst of the journey. If you're wondering if God's children in any way are going to be separated from the ultimate trophy, the love of God, well, our text gives no doubt of your security. We have an answer here. In fact, these truths, if you will get a grip of them, provide incredible stability for you as God's child. In fact, it is from this secure position. 
You are to know this, and you are to think about it, and you are to be sure of it. It is from that secure position that ultimately you are to live out the rest of your life because Romans chapter 8 is not the end of the story. Romans 8 leads to Romans 16. And from 9 through 16, he's going to tell you about living out your Christian life. And you, the way you're going to be able to do that is you've got to be secure in what he has laid out for you. As you survey the text, verse 35 through 39, it looks like a chiasm. Okay, and if you are not familiar with this tool of a chiasm, uh, picture an hourglass where he'll state a truth, he'll narrow it in, and then he'll spread it back out. And what you'll see in verse 35, he brings up this idea of separation from God, from God's love, but then he revisits it at the end. Right after he introduces it, he gives a big listing of all these things. And then right in the middle, which oftentimes in the chiastic form, the truth that he wants us to grab a hold of and get a grip on is right in the center of the chiasm. And that's kind of what happens here in verse 37. But then he makes another list and then he moves back out to kind of answer it all. We have our answer. He says in verse 37, let me read it to you again. No, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. So let me unpack this for you today, okay? We're going to look at four things, okay? Four particular truths. So if you're taking notes, look for these. First one is this. I want you to catch the nagging question that some of us have. What is that nagging question? Of course, here's the last question in the chapter. He's already, okay, Paul has told us that no one can bring a charge against God's elect. Nobody can condemn you. Now we ask the question, can anyone sever or separate you from Jesus Christ's love for you? Look at again what it says in verse 35. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or, or danger or sword? Now, he asked the question, who? Who can do this? However, the, the list in verse 35 are not like necessarily who's. They're kind of things that happen. But I think the who envisions anyone who's behind these threats that he's about to list. And then he says this, who shall separate us? The us refers to none other than God's children. These are the individuals, the select group that have been chosen by God and that have chosen God. You have to be adopted into God's family for what he's saying here to be true for you. And I will say this, if you have never consciously called on Jesus to be your savior. If you've never done that, this is not the case for you. 
You need to call on him individually as your Savior. If you will confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. So the us here is not like all humanity. It's not like everyone is not going to be separated from the love of God or Christ. Who shall deliver us, God's people, from Jesus Christ's love? Can anyone do this? Now, of course, we know that Jesus has set his love on you, and he worked out your salvation. But can anyone or anything pry you away? Now, as I look at this group, you live on earth long enough, you understand and you have seen love being separated. I think all of us have been to wedding ceremonies where people have promised love. In many ways, they say, I promise to love you my entire life until death do us part. They're promising future love. Okay, and a lot of hard times will come, but when you're at that marriage altar, you promise future love. I'm going to keep doing this. All of us in a broken world like this have seen love become separated. So probably naturally, we sometimes think that maybe something can happen here. Can anything like what I do or someone else does or anything like that separate me from Christ's love. Paul doesn't just leave it at that. He goes now and he lists seven situations that really encompass the entire gamut of what believers face. Okay, let me just talk a little bit about them. Tribulation, what's that? Tribulation is any physical, mental, social, economic adversity. I mean, there's lots of them. What's distress? Distress is a calamity. Maybe it's something that's sudden that comes upon you. Persecution, of course, is uh, people who bring distress on you because of your faith. Famine is lack of food. Nakedness is the lack of clothing or covering. Danger is the susceptibility of the harm. And of course, sword, that's kind of pretty self-explanatory here. At that point, it was like capital punishment. And the guy who's writing this letter had kind of experienced all of them in some way. In fact, he says in 1 Corinthians chapter 4, he says this, to the present hour, we hunger and thirst. Okay, there's famine. <laughs> we are poorly dressed nakedness. We are buffeted and homeless. That's also nakedness. He didn't have a home. And we labor working with our own hands. Being reviled, we bless. When persecuted, we endure. When slandered, we entreat. We become and are still like the scum of the earth, the refuse of all things. He says in another place, in 2 Corinthians, he says this, but as servants of Christ, we commend ourselves in every way by great endurance in afflictions, hardships, calamities, beatings, imprisonments, riots, labors, sleepless nights, hunger. And so he throws it out. He says, can anything 
that anyone brings upon you or any situation that you and I have to deal with, can anything separate us from God's love? Now, I'm looking at a congregation, if we were to pass the mic today, if we were to just go around, I'm looking at you who have really experienced the gamut of these things. Some, have you, some of you have gone through great tribulation. I couldn't help as I was eating lunch with Joy Milliken this past Friday. She left to go home to Mexico and traveling back with Natalie. And I knew, and I talked to her about this, you're going to show up at your home in Mexico and Marsh has always been there. He's always been there. It's all you've known. You guys have served and labored together in reference to this. Some of you know exactly what I'm talking about and the aloneness you feel. I mean, the calamities that this church has experienced. Some of you have lost people in accidents on the highway or maybe in the hospital where they've made mistakes and you have experienced great, you could say, distress or calamities. Some of you have suffered persecution at your work because of your faith. Some of you, okay, if you try to live in Roswell, sometimes you're going to have a hard time finding a place to live because it's expensive. Some of you at different times have had hard times finding a place of covering. Some have gone through the dangers, dangers of cancer. Is cancer dangerous? Yes. Being under the scalpel at various times in surgeries. If you have lived long enough, you will see the gamut. Of course, we've been told we must through many what? tribulations enter the kingdom of God. We are going to do that. In fact, he tells you as well, all that will live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. In Job 14.1, it says this, mortals born of women. Okay, who's that? That's all of you. Mortals born of women are of few days and full of trouble. That's us. It is amid these situations that we can often wonder if we can be separated from Jesus Christ's love. Is he going to get me through? Is he going to get me to the end? Am I going to be able to stand there? And it's at this point, he throws the question out. He says, shall this, shall this, shall this, shall this? And he goes to an unusual place. In fact, if you're, if you're memorizing the text, it's like, I love that part, 35, and I love 37, and I love 38 and 39, but why in the world 36, verse 36? He just quotes this situation, and I believe the reason he does this is he offers you some hope. So we've already seen the nagging question, but I want you to see the word of comfort right in the midst of it. Listen to what he says here. He stops and he says this, as it is written, for your sake we are being killed all the day long. We are regarded as sheep to be slaughtered. 
So after he gives the initial question in the seven different scenarios, he comforts them. Now, it doesn't look like it initially. He basically says, I'm dying like all the time. People are dying everywhere. What's going on here? And and let me just explain this to you. This is none other than Paul quoting from a psalm. He's quoting from Psalm 44. Now, it doesn't sound really good. For your sake, we are being killed all the day long. We are regarded as sheep to be slaughtered. Now, I've looked at this verse numbers of times. I'm like, how do you die like all day? That's kind of bad. Like, can't you just die once? It's like, we die? Well, the idea here is this, that God's people are getting ravaged. You know that even today... They say in the world, 250 will be martyred for their faith today. 250. In the book of Psalms, chapter 44, where he's quoting from, Israel evidently had suffered some really tough defeat. I mean, maybe this afternoon, some of you can read Psalm 44. And what they're going through in in Psalm 44 is evidently some great defeat happened and they were wondering, okay, is what's going on in my life? Is it due to like, are you punishing me, God? Did I do something wrong? Did I make a mistake? And you're, you're sending punishment upon me? And what you'll find is that Israel is demoralized in Psalm 44. Maybe that's like you right now. And some of you in this room right now, in fact, feel like God is bringing you through something and you're like, why in the world are you doing this? Why have you punished me in this way? Why are you hurting me in this way? And you have questions somewhat like Job and you're saying, what's going on here? I don't know. I'm in deep waters right now. I feel alone. This trial seems unending, and you're beginning to question God. You're asking questions like this. Why has my blessing turned to barrenness? Why has my advance turned to defeat? And maybe you can even say this. My loyalty to you hasn't changed at all, God. But my situation clearly has. Look. Look at what I'm going through. What's going on? You know what? Sometimes, did you know the situations that we are facing in life are more complex than you and I can realize? In fact, you and I don't have the math to calculate them. I mean, remember the situation Job was in? I mean, he lost his entire family minus his wife. He lost all his wealth. He lost all of this. And what kind of explanation did he get from God? There was something going on in heaven that was the reason for it all. You know what the psalmist says? Okay, this is is what he's quoting from. The psalmist says in Psalm 44, 22, yet for your sake, we are being killed all the day long. We are regarded as sheep to be slaughtered. You notice that little thing that I underlined there? For your sake. Evidently, at least in Psalm 44, the trial that they may have been experiencing 
may have been a battle scar rather than a punishment. Did you know that you and I are in a fight? We're in the midst of it, and there's certain things that you know what you're going to experience, and they're going to be hard, and you're not going to know what's going on, and you're, you're wondering, why am I getting separated from God's love? Why is this happening? Let me just say, it may be the price of your loyalty to God in the world against God. It's in these times that you know what we do? We often say to God, as the psalmist did, you know what the psalmist said in the next verse? Listen to this. Psalm 44, verse 23. Awake! Why are you sleeping, O Lord? Rouse yourself. Do not reject us forever. Anyone ever said that to God in the midst of that trial? Why are you sleeping when all of this is going on in my life? Have I been separated, severed from your love? Where are you at? How do I get moving forward? Are you asleep? We do what the disciples do oftentimes. When things get hard, they start questioning God. You remember the boat? When the storm came on and the waves were getting driven, I mean, the boat was getting driven on those waters and here are these men who had lived their lives on the Sea of Galilee and they're terrified from their, for their lives. And what do they say to Jesus do you not care that we are perishing? Don't you care? That's what Psalm 44, 23 says. Don't you care that I'm perishing? Help us through this. Are you asleep? Don't you care? How does the psalmist end? Okay, he ends the chapter that he's quoting from. Here it is. Rise up. Come to our help. Redeem us for the sake of your, here it is, your steadfast love. Where does the psalmist go to? The psalmist ends the chapter by saying this, take us, God, to, and remind us of your chesed, your steadfast love. In fact, what he's talking about in Romans 8, it, the reason I believe Paul is quoting from Psalm 44 is because the truths that are found in Psalm 44 are the ones he's reiterating to God's people in Romans 8. Go back to the steadfast love of your God. Paul evidently had this in his mind as well. And that's exactly where he goes to. So right after he says, who can separate you from the love of God? Can this, can this, can this, can this? Let me provide you some comfort. These Israelites experienced the same thing. They, were, they felt like they were being slaughtered all the day long. But what did they call on? They looked to your steadfast love. And what does Paul do in the very next verse? He tells them, so we've looked at the nagging question, the word of comfort, and then I want you to see this. I want you to see the championship trophy. He gives it to them right here. He now tells them what he's done. Verse 37 no, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. Paul now gives a resounding answer to that nagging question. He says, no, nothing, nothing can get in your way. Nothing can separate you from the love of God. 
I mean, it's interesting. Paul had answered, or you could say all the other rhetorical questions, he didn't answer with like no one or this. He always answered with God. Like he says, who can bring a charge against God's elect? We want to say nobody. But he says, God justifies. Who is he that condemns? You're thinking no one can condemn. But he answers, no, it is Jesus Christ who justified. Here he actually gives you the answer. He says, no, nothing. Nothing can get in your way. Nothing can separate you from the love of God. In fact, he says this. And don't miss this. No, in all these things, we are more than conquerors. Did you catch what I just emphasized? No, in all these things, we are more than conquerors. It's not this. Hey, after you go through all of these things, you are going to be more than conquerors. No, he says, during these things, we are more than conquerors. God is even using. Now, whatever you are up against right now, okay, do a little check mark beside tribulation, calamity, nakedness, whatever you're up against. What he's saying this, he's saying, no, in those things, right now, currently, you are more than conquerors. It's in fact, God is using them to help you to triumph because you are learning to look to him through it. In fact, if it wasn't for whatever trial that you have gone through or calamity that you have experienced, if it wasn't for those things, we often wouldn't look for his own comfort and his own power. He says, no, in all these things, and then he gives this, we are more than conquerors. Now that, that little word that our English translators translate more than conquerors is a really cool word. It's a compound word in the English language. And you say, what is it? What, what's made, what's, what is it made up? It's a word that means to completely prevail. It means to super conquer. It's made up of two words. Now, we get two words in our English language from these words. It's these. Number one, hyper and Nike. Hyper Nike. Our world is very familiar with Nike, the clothing. Of course, Nike is named after the Greek god of what? Victory. In fact, when I visited Ephesus, I remember seeing statues of the god of Nike. What he's saying, and of course, I think most of you know what hyper means. It means excessive, over. Basically, he's saying this, in all these things, we hyper Nike. We super, we're super victorious. In all of them, we win every time. We have a reminder. In fact, I hope that even after this service, anytime you see the swoosh on your clothing or someone else's clothing, if you're a child of God, 
That's Nike. That's conquer. But you know what? I just don't conquer. I hyper Nike. I super conquer in the midst of these things. In fact, it's the idea of we crush. We crush it in all these things. How? It's through the love of Jesus Christ. And notice, it's not that he loves us in the present. Now, he does love us in the present. But I love that it says, through him who loved us in the past. And the idea here is it started before you loved him. He loved you first. He placed his love on you, and that love never ceases. That love came to earth in bodily form. That love lived a flawless life. That love died for you, was separated from his father's love. You know, Jesus always, it's interesting, he always referred to the father in his ministry, but there was one time when he took on the sin of all of us, he didn't refer to him as his father. He says, my what? My God, my God, why hast you forsaken me? It's when he took your sin on him and you could say felt the estrangement of the father for our sin. That's the love of Christ. He loved you. And nothing can separate you. You win in the midst of all these things. Now, going back to the world of football for just a second, okay? I am a Miami Hurricane and Miami Dolphin football fan, okay? We were winners, okay? Okay. I've told you before, I have a shirt that my family got me that said, the Miami Hurricanes, the team of the 80s. <laughs> we, for a number of decades ago, won a lot of games. And even as of last night, we're losers. Okay? <laughs> and it's been a long number of seasons for us. But there's always hope. There's always next year. If you're a winner right now, Okay, let's say you're a Michigan Wolverine fan. I mean, you're just gloating. You're getting the shirt. You're excited. You're a winner and you're excited. Let me just encourage you with this. One day you're going to be a loser too. Okay? I mean, Atlanta, if there's ever been a city that has experienced losing, I mean, we still, I mean, we don't even want to think about that Super Bowl. Okay? But for years... The Braves weren't winning, and they just they couldn't get all the way. The Bulldogs couldn't, but it was awesome that one year that both of them won. But guess what? We lost. We're losers. That's me in football. But let me just say, as a believer, it may look that I'm losing right now, but I already got the championship trophy. It's in my hands. In all of these things, I am a super victorious person. Why? Because he loved me. And it doesn't matter what you face in this life. It doesn't matter any of those scenarios and how hard it may get. When he set his love on you, 
in all of these things, you super Nike. You super abound. You win. You win big. You crush. Why? Because you have the love of God in the midst of it. And I'll tell you this, Paul became convinced of this. And in fact, I believe it's what spurred him on to his his ministry. And let me just say, so should you. You should be so gripped by this that it pushes you forward. And that's my final point, the blessed assurance. Do you have that blessed assurance? Here Paul tells us that he has it. Look what he says in verse 38. For I am what? Sure. That neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. I love that little phrase this, for I am what? I am sure. Are you sure? Is it something that you're like, I'm sure, I'm convinced of this. I am okay. Whatever situation, this was a rock solid assurance forged in the trials of life. He tells us of his assurance. There are a few different times in Paul's writings where he says, I am sure, I am sure. One of them is in 2 Timothy 1 verse 12. He says this, for I am not ashamed, for I know whom I have believed, and I am what? I'm sure, I'm convinced that he is able to guard until that day that which has been entrusted to me. What Paul now does is he begins his second list in the chiasm of a list of obstacles that may try to separate us from God's love. I can't look at all of them in detail, but look what he says. Death cannot do it. And I'll say, you look at my funeral file on my computer from when I became pastor at Lebanon Baptist Church, we have experienced a ton of death. And the older you get, the closer it'll get to you. And the more people you will have on the welcoming committee in heaven than the departure committee at your funeral. We will experience death, but it's in death, nothing can separate us from Christ's love. Life, I mean, he he gives the opposites. Life, everything that goes on in life, nothing can separate you, nor angels. And the idea is, even if one of God's angels was trying to do this, and then it says rulers, and you know there's a hierarchy of angels and you read about them in different texts of Scripture. And here we, we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world. Let's say one of those hordes of Satan's minions were after you. Let's say the devil himself came after you. He can only be in one per- place at one time. He's not an omnipresent God, but let's say he came after you. Let me just say... Nothing can separate you from the love of God. Nor things present. So that includes this. Anything you're going against right now. Nor anything that will happen in the future. 
nor powers, and then he just goes, nor height, anything in the heavens or in the depth, nor anything else in all creation. So what was that last one? It was just, just in case I missed something. Anything else that was created. Now, what's the only thing that wasn't created? God. And what did it say in verse 31? If God is what? For us. Who can be against us? Nothing can separate you. Therefore, what are we to do? The truth is this. We, God's beloved children, I hope you're one of those, overwhelmingly win. We, God's beloved children, overwhelmingly win. Have you become sure of this? Can you say with the Apostle Paul, I am sure. I am sure. Has that truth moved from your head to your heart? Let me say it can. If you struggle with this and you worry about this, you know what? God wants you to get this settled. God, I need this settled because you're going to need, you're going to have some commands in chapter 12, 13, 14, and you're going to need to be able to stand on what he has done for you. This is the platform that you are to stand on. And guess what? You are, if you have placed your faith in Jesus Christ, you're already on the platform. You got the trophy in your hand. The confetti's coming down. You have already won. Now, you may not be going to the magic kingdom, but you're going to the heavenly kingdom. And for that, you can be eternally grateful. You were saved And you were saved to experience this now. This is not for you to experience, hey, one day I'm going to get there. No, in all of these things, we are more than conquerors. Have you come to know this love? Number one, initially, if you've never come to know it, what you have to do is this. You have to call upon the only one who can save you, Jesus Christ. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man gets to the Father but by me. You need to recognize who he is and bow your life to him. Make him your ultimate treasure. Repent of your sin and believe in him. And if you have done that, if you have experienced Christ initially, He's told us, if you are children, provided for a little time, you what? You suffer. And in the midst of the suffering, what you need to do is you need to keep going back to, I got the trophy. I got him. In all your ways, know him. Keep going to him. Keep growing in your understanding of him. And he shall direct your path. We, God's beloved children, win all the time. Thank you for listening to Treasuring Scripture. It's our desire that every Christian treasure God's Word in their heart. To follow our podcast, please hit the subscribe button. If you're interested in learning more about our church, please visit LebanonBaptist.org.